When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hello, good evening, and welcome to the LFC Day Trippers. I'm Gav, that's Pete, that's Phil. It is winners and losers. It's the first one of a new season, season 23-24. Um, in the next hour, we're going to speak um, to Phil about his winner and loser and Pete about his winner and loser. I picked nothing this week. Do not blame her on me. Um, look, it's not my fault, okay? It's the lad's fault. So, Phil, how are you? The good football's evening, back, Kevin. I'd say, are over the moon. I'm absolutely delighted. Full weekend of football. It's been amazing stuff. Um, just delighted. It's it's great. It's great feeling. Now once once the season kicks off, I'll be even happier. Okay, good stuff. <laughs> P, how are you? <laughs> Grant, listen, life is full of surprises. You never know following this club. So yeah, it's good. It's good to be back. It's good to good to see some some people gone from from the telly box that shouldn't have been on it for for too many years. And yeah, it's good to, good to have the banter back. Okay, so as as people know, or well, well, do or don't know, I don't know. Um, it's probably the first time watching this show. It is about the winners and losers of the weekend's football. Um, as I said, Phil has picked the winner and loser. So has P, and we're going to discuss them over the next hour or so. Um, Alex says, get the likes going, people. Yeah, let me say that. Get it out of the way. Hit the like button, subscribe, comment as much as you can, and we read out as many as we can. Plus, um, put the bell icon on so you get notified when we go live. We've loads of shows coming this week, and I mean loads, right? Too many, right? Um, especially um, from Thursday through to Monday. I think there's two a day, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday, Monday. So um, let's start with a winner. Go on, Phil. Give us your winner of the week. Daniel Storage. Okay, <laughs> Daniel Storage. I, you, you said this to me earlier, and I put it down on the artwork, and I put it down in the description, and I was like, "He won't fall. He won't go through with this." But yeah, come on. Yeah, yeah. yeah I, I, I enjoyed them. Uh, it was it was nice, fresh um, take on football. It was a bit more relaxed. His style is definitely uh, uh, brilliant. It brought me back to the Spice Boys of the, uh, the mid nineties. As we all like, all know, like that that drew me in. I, of all things, like to draw me back to football. Daniel Sturridge in his cream outfit ensemble was definitely something that I was there going, "This is great. This is what football's about." Cream, all cream, wait, wait. and it, it, decent insight. And he got uh, Roy Keane was sporting a, a beautiful grey beard uh, to, to smile underneath the beard. Um, and yeah. I, I just enjoyed it. It was just nice. Look, uh, after general stories as, as a whole, just makes me happy. I, I think he's being terribly um, unfortunate when he was a Liverpool player. His his skill level, everything about him was just was when he was fit. It was just amazing to watch, right? And um, yeah, like Tom Sturridge is pure cringe. If you're looking for analysis um, on television, then you, you, there's pointless. Like there's there's no point. It's, television is there for clicks and 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 sound bites and everything like that. So I'd rather have a fella that I enjoy this, enjoy his 
he's not taking himself too serious. He's given an opinion in terms of what it is, and he's still he's he's fresh to the scene as opposed to the fellas that have been there for donkeys and were sort of all just saying the the same things every year. Well, you see, Dagsy has come in here and said storage was painful as well, right? But I think, and I get Pete's taking in a minute, right? I think you're bang on what you say. I think analysis is secondary now to entertainment. Is that the right word for it? I'm not too sure. But it's basically like when I like I have this thing where I don't watch any analysis before a game, anything at halftime or anything after. I usually turn around when I know the ball's about to be kicked. At halftime, I disappear. I come back for the second half, and then I at the end of it, I knock off the telly, um, because it's not analysis anymore. It's it's usually somebody trying to say something outrageous so they can run mm-hmm. this for the next twenty four hours after the game. Um, but Daniel Sturridge felt to me like. I thought he was going to release a single. That's at one stage. I thought he was going to announce the release of a single, like you know, a cover of E Seventeen or something along them lines, right? But, <laughs> um, but Pete, that's what they're in it for now, isn't it? That's just yeah. what they're in it for now. And and Roy Keane, like people are saying, oh, Daniel Sturridge with Roy Keane. Daniel Sturridge's goal is to get Roy Keane to this. But Roy Keane's playing a, a a character as well because when you actually see little behind the scenes things, he's a lot more relaxed than you see mm-hmm. him standing in front of the camera, Pete, isn't he? Of course he is. Listen, it's 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 a it's a game. Television's a game, as as everybody knows. But I, I really enjoyed Daniel Story, to be honest with you. I, I loved him as a player, like Phil. You know, and he was absolutely lethal. And he's he's a character. I mean, he started his own podcast in the end was or something, some some sort of thing like that, something to do with a gambling company, and it was hilarious out in Dubai. And he, he just has he has something, he has a bit of natural charisma. To be honest, I, I totally agree with you, even the sport. Football is not the priority anymore. It's almost like find the, the referees and everyone is on on notice to find something controversial to award or not award in order to make this to add to the spectacle. It's moving towards WWE and away from analytical, even you know, common sense. I mean, if common sense is boring, do something different and attract more crowds, attract more clicks, attract, you know. And it, listen, strap yourself in. It's going to be a bit of crack, but. Yeah, I mean, it's not, it's not about analysis. It's all about, it's all about the show. I'll just be, but Pete, I'll just be disappointed now if he tones the image down. I want them to go outrageous. I want to see But he's mad not going stuff. to, because if, 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 if they got a reaction to that, whether it's like, oh, that was cringe, that was painful, or someone loved it, any reaction is good now. Like, any no, reaction Gal, is I, good. I'm, I'm not talking about giving me analysis. No, no, no. I want to see the outfits get more outrageous. Yeah, I want to see them get more outrageous, right? Eventually, I want to see him standing there in like a pirate's outfit with a fake parrot on the shoulder, right? Just to see what happens. See, see it, how far you can push. The, yeah, see how far you can push the envelope with like a, a, a Johnny Depp Pirates of the Caribbean hat. The works like go all in, right? And a patch over his eye and the war. Just like really buy into it. That to me will be great. Anto, can I just point no, out? Anto, I can I read this out? Because Anto says. And I'm actually excited because I it's, have it's something the, I want to It's, the be, it's, it's actually, it Anto, it's, it's the best comment of the new season so far. Um, we're only about three shows in, but it's definitely the best one for me. He says, Phil can't have watched any football. I'm sure the World Games had lads running up mountains, carrying microwaves on their flutes. If only I'd have done that. <laughs> <laughs> but look, it is what it is. Like, you know, well, Anto, just, just in case you're wondering, right, I was going to keep the end, but I, I let you in, in a sneaky for something I was watching at the weekend. Synchronized BMX balancing, right? <laughs> yeah, fuck off, Phil. I can't. It's think about it, another way to synchronize dancing or the synchronized swimming. Swimming, right? yeah. Ex- except you're on a BMX and they're doing tricks 
that are synchronized. It's actually right now. It sounds mad and it sounds weird. I hope we can get a clip, Gav. I'll send Anthony. You can, you can tweet it. But genuinely, it was it was like it's one of those ones where you start watching. Yeah, well, you know, I start watching anyway, so I'm gonna be stuck into it for about five days. But it's just like it was watching this going. How are you doing? This is amazing. This is much more difficult than than synchronized swimming. They're on a bike. It's like in the water, you can just twist yourself around your hands. They're doing it was absolutely amazing. Anyway, they were they were the real winners of the week. But but Daniel Sturridge for me is is like honestly, I'm going back to it. it's about fun. Fun, but like television is about fun. There's no seriousness. There's no everything at this moment in time in the world has lost it's the true insight the the, the the tension levels aren't there so we may as well have something that keeps us entertained it's as you said it's about entertainment it's not about it's not about insights or or punditry or whatever it is bizarrely american sport is going deeper into punditry and deeper into analysis and deeper into into teaching and what was typically those type of things that were in european sport are drifting more to the wwe entertainment sideshow type thing that goes on which is a program in itself as opposed to something that's aiding what you're watching on the television yeah because like like if you look at if you look at like um say take sky for example right and you're gonna end you're, you're gonna end up with reels and, and different things with ads flashed on them and stuff like that like they're getting millions of views of like roy king going you know, well, that's his job. You know, the sort of thing, these sort of things. And that's what it... And look, I think... I'm not a fan of it. I've never been a fan of it. I think once they let... Um, Carragher and Neville out of that studio um, and branch out past the Monday night when they were brilliant on a Monday night. Uh, it's not my thing, right? I like to... Now, don't get me wrong. I love a laugh as much as anybody else. But when it comes to football at times, I like to tell me something I wouldn't have noticed. You know, that's, that's my sort of thing on it. But if you're able to come to terms with it which i have and i know what's there it actually makes me kind of go oh, i'll watch that little clip there because i know i'm not i'm not going to go on and find daniel storage telling you about a deadly run someone made and what he's probably thinking and if the ball comes back off the keep or what's his reaction he's going to be talking about whatever do you know what i mean and he's going to be standing there in atlantic gear and if you can fix your mind to that's what they're doing it's fine it's absolutely fine do you know what i mean like I get people going, it's cringe and it's painful, but it's only cringe and painful because you've probably gone on there hoping Daniel Sturridge is going to give you an insight into a forwards thinking. And they're not there for that anymore. They're simply not. They're there to say stuff that will get a reaction and pump clicks and pump reaction and get people, more people watching next week to see what happens. So it's one of those. But I thought it was great to see him. You know, mm -hmm. I, I think like when he left Liverpool, um, it's Roy Hodgson's fault. I keep saying it from... Um, the first international break in 2014-15 Roy Hodgson broke him and uh, he, he wasn't the same he went off he got the ban for uh, was it betting something to do with betting and then he was off in Turkey he was off in Australia which it didn't it didn't um, it didn't work out for him but to see him back and, and, and hopefully doing well for himself he seems a really really nice fella Daniel Sturridge so I'm okay with it um, will we move on from Daniel Sturridge Anything else on Daniel's storage before we go? <laughs> Could have done one of his, his, his absolute boom slangers into the roof of the net on Sunday, to be fair. You know the ones that used to just pull out of nowhere? We were, yeah. we struggled you don't want to get Chelsea? Just, yeah. yeah, that's what I'm talking about. That's, I always remember that one, just like, where'd that come from? That's amazing. Bang, rocket, mm. top corner, jobs, jobs, a decent one. Like, to be fair, uh, when I was thinking about winners, you could go for all the obvious stuff. You can go for all the things that... that I'd really like to talk about, um, and we'll probably touch on some of the stuff that's there. But but a bit like what we're talking, I I enjoyed the the fun, 
enjoy the phone. Bring the phone. Bring the phone. Okay. It's dragging me back in. It's it's dragged me a bit back in, Gav. It's, it's to- taking a little bit. It's only because it's ridiculous. Like if you do, if you start doing synchronized balancing on one leg, um, pitch side, Phil will be all over. Brian says, "Nah, lads, it's bollocks." The long they long, no longer have anything insightful to say. It's just cliche driven claptrap. Cara and Nev are the only ones that actually comment on elements of the game. They do comment on elements of the game, but I think they're best served to be spending ninety percent of the time doing that. You know what I mean? Because actually, when you look at the overlap stuff that Gary Neville does, it's excellent because he's not—he's not saying stuff to be outrageous. He's asking people the questions that you would hope to be asked, and it's—it's it's brilliant. The overlap stuff, the overlap live, not so much, but the interviews he does with people is absolutely brilliant. Um, let me see, let me see. Uh, YTAL pills says, "Get on with it, Christ." Okay. Right, Jesus. Well, let's move on. Um, what are we getting on with? I don't know. We have to move on to the next thing. Oh. Says YTAL pill, not happy. Um, so let's go with a loser. P, your loser of the week. Yeah, Phil and I. Phil got there before I did. So to be oh, honest, no. yeah, yeah, yeah. Go on, go on. Yeah, go on, go on. The next, the next loser for me, I thought. To be honest with you, Harry Kane. I mean, a hundred million quid. Which is fair enough in today's market, but I, I mean, I, I watched deliberately watched Munich on Saturday, um, well certainly the most of the second half, and you you find yourself rooting for the guy, you know, whatever. He's not our favorite player. But if, if I found myself rooting for the guy to score. Maybe it's because they were two or three nil down, but then you're kind of looking at the game and you're like, why is why are they playing trying to play Harry Kane off the shoulder of the last man when? You know, they've spent a hundred million. Surely they've spent a hundred million on a player who drifts between the spaces. And, you know, it's uh, let's not get too analytical about it. But it's like it's like they thought they were buying Lewandowski back. Uh, it's almost like they bought the wrong player. So I, I kind of really felt sorry for him. That it looks to me, I know it's very early doors, but it looks to me like they're going to ask Harry Kane to play off like an off the shoulder electric striker, which he certainly isn't. Um, and it's going to be a hundred million. No, perhaps Tuchel. Perhaps they'll change the way they play, or they'll ch- change his role to something more deep, and they'll spring their wit a little bit higher up the park and get moving into those spaces. But I didn't see any evidence of that on Saturday. I saw Bayern Munich play Harry Kane as if he was a number, uh, as if he was a, an off-the-shoulder centre forward, and it. He just looked. He looked lumpy, fat, slow. He looked like, you know, he just didn't look like the Harry Kane that we used. See, it was, I actually felt sorry for him. For you see, you've gone deeper into this than I thought you were going to, because I just thought you were going to say Harry Kane's loser of the week because he's left Spurs to win a trophy, towards up a burn and he got hammered in the Super Cup. So you've gone way deeper than that. Would yeah. you read that much into it, Pete? Because, like, yeah, look, he comes on, he comes on for half an hour, whatever it was, right? They get beaten. Your man Danny Almo has the game of his life. Scores a hat-trick. Mm. Um, Leipzig are really good. Bayern, Bayern went great last season. You know, um, they, they, they win it. They win on the last day because Borussia Dortmund make an absolute mess of things at home yeah, to points. I remember watching the game. But oh, I'd say Tuchel probably sent him out and goes, just, just get a half an hour out there. And, you know. Yeah, but, but off that shoulder, the last man, with no, no space at all. He just... It, and, uh, what summed it up is the, a penalty. I think there was a penalty given against him, and he's ran over to the referee, and he just suddenly remembers, "Oh, I don't speak German," so he's just stood there. But like that's why I'd have him as loser of the week <laughs> rather than anything to do with football. It just, it was just brilliant because, like, oh, when he moved, it was like Harry Kane can win his first trophy of Bayern just three days after signing for them, and then it was like all oh, this was going on the day of the game. Harry Kane can win his first trophy today, and then. 
one of the lads in one of our WhatsApp groups was like, three minutes gone, one nil Leipzig, <laughs> the Harry Kane effect. And it just went on and he's like, two nil, three nil. But like, that's why I, that's why I found it amusing. Um, yeah. Not not so much what went on in the game, but Harry Kane turns up and no, it's like... I get, I get what Kev O'Sullivan is saying. He's only had one training session with him. That's fine. I don't mind that. But you might as well have played him centre-back as played him off the shoulder the last man. I don't know if you if you watched him or if anybody watched him. It's it's like I don't know. It's it just it was like it was like playing a right back in goal. It was it, it, Harry Kane is a deep line, more creative than anything else. It, I just I just didn't get. It looked to me like he was just completely lost. You know, he's like it was like he was playing a, playing a different sport. I didn't get it, I fe- and I really felt sorry for him. I don't like. Perhaps next week, you know, a few training sessions, they will use him in that position. But if you're planning on, on getting him off the shoulder and relying on his, on the electric pace that he doesn't have, you know, or that extra strength that he's going to bustle, you know, off with the last man that he doesn't possess either. You know, your 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 weight like Harry came for me always been more similar to Frank Lampard, to be honest with you, in an offensive um in an offensive situation than any it looked to me like they th- they think they were buying Fernando Torres, for example. See, I mean, just just look completely lost. I was baffled. I think, um, I would say, I would say, like to be honest with you, that he's he's just being thrown in there for having the whole the whole thing around it was was amazing. Um, just the whole narrative that was ran for days beforehand. Um, Phil, Harry Kane, Andy Kaufman is calling me a, a tyrant here in the chat. <laughs> Um, bang out of order, by the way. I, I'm but, I'm genuinely I'm genuinely stunned at this. At what the Harry Kane stuff overall, or just P? just the the choice of this? Right, like, okay. Honest to God, hundred million quid, Phil. hundred million quid. You can find a cat in the street, and you get a hundred million quid out of the Saudi League for it. For it, like, do you know what I mean? It's like Pete, of, all, of all of all the things to to pick, right? If anything. You've got like there's so much to go for. The, the whole thing is a mess at the moment. It's like you basically have a, a, a top fifty of losers and maybe three winners for the whole weekend. And Daniel Sturridge was one of them. Like honestly, like Harry Kane, Harry Kane's a winner. This is like the Frank Lampard when he got the Everton job. He's going to he's going to fill his boots with cash. Were you for surprised? Can I ask okay. them? Were you surprised he left sports? I'm only surprised that he didn't get a move to United. Right. And I think that's why he delayed his flight to Germany as long as possible, hoping and praying that United came in from. I, I genuinely think that that was, that was there. Or because that, that, maybe that Premier League record, he's about, I think he's 60 goals off or 50 goals off it. Now, he wouldn't, have done, he, wouldn't, he wouldn't have done it at Spurs in one season. But like you said, if he'd have got a move to a City or United or whoever, do you know what I mean? The chances are he's doing it in the next two seasons. And he's won fuck is all he? with sports. Are you surprised he's he's kind of knocked that on the head and gone? No. See, th- this is the thing for me with Kane is that like he's a very or comes across as a very superficial player, right? I want what I mean by superficial is like he he he's goal grabbed. It's like so, it's like looking at a ten year old. You know when you watch a ten year old schoolboy match and if they, they, anyone they claim every goal because they just want to score fifteen goals in a match, right? Um. And so, yeah, in one sense, but like he's not. I, I come, if he goes to United or he goes to City, only only Chelsea maybe would have been, they would have built the, the the team to fit him around the front line, right? Um, United wouldn't. 
they'd put him in there, but it wouldn't, they wouldn't necessarily play to his strengths. And City aren't, have, have Haaland at this stage. They, they had, he had a chance before Haaland went there that they might have gone there. So in reality, Chelsea was the only one that possibly needed a number nine in that type of style that would have brought him in. Um, and then I think when he weighed it all up, he didn't want to stay at another rebuild at Spurs. And what is he, 31 now, is he? He's in around that, yeah. He's never getting near that goal. I, I think. I think when he sat, if he took a, a step back and thought about it, he'd probably do twenty odd goals this season, maybe eighteen, nineteen the next, and he would have been struggling to get there by the time he got to three or four seasons out from here. And that's just true. Forty-seven goals short of Shearer. You see, I think if he, I think that's like a lot. He's, I know, but I think if you, like you said, I think if if he he probably looked at it and, and said, you know what, I should have made me move way earlier in the summer here because you have to remember, United went and spent seventy odd million euros on some Danish lad from yeah, Atlanta, right? So Harry Kane's if he's waiting for United, and Shawnee was the same. Shawnee was saying to us, I wouldn't be surprised if he ends up being United, even when the Bayern stuff was going on. If he'd have came out and made it really, really clear early in the window, listen, I'm not signing a new deal. Come January, I'm signing a free contract, or I'm just letting it run and I'm signing for someone else in England. So, but Spurs probably didn't want to sell to someone in England. But he, he's probably looking back at it and saying, if I'd have made that move first week of July and told him out straight, United would have known straight out of the blocks, and United would have done it. You know, United would have done it. But mm. that's probably his only. That's probably his only fucking thing on it. Um, <clears throat> he's gonna bang goals in Germany. He's going to win a couple of titles in Germany. He's going to have oh, a couple of cracks. He's 29, oh, sorry. Is he? Um, is he, Gav? Is he? Yes, is he? And, he is. And, and here's Listen, the reason why I say He's it. one of the best goal scorers the Premier League's ever seen. Okay, so just, I'm going to stop you there for a second, right? The, the similarities to Ian Rush going to Juventus, of all players I've ever seen, this is the closest thing I've seen to it, right? And let's not forget that. Ian Rush struggled to adapt to a new league because it was, it was they were all foreigners when he went there. Like, like it's, it, 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 yeah, it, it, in my head, I'm right there going. And then when when Rush came back to the English league, he started banging in goals, but couldn't score to save his life because the adaptation to a new league was huge. Yeah, but He's I think to, I think the adaptation to this German league is the easiest way to go. I think if he'd have went to Spain or he'd have went to Italy, right? I think he'd be looking going. You know what? It might be a little bit more difficult. I think the German whenever I watch German football, I always think it's very close to English football. The, the intensity, the, the speed that Detroit play, the tactics that Detroit implement on teams, I think he's going to fucking run amok for Bayern, right? Because let's be honest about it, if he gets it in any way right, that's a farmer's league. End of story. The only reason Borussia Dortmund were in that race last year is because Bayern decided to play a season without a striker, right? They brought in uh, Sadio Mane to do it, and Sadio Mane had a good spell at Liverpool centre forward, but he was a different centre forward to what Bayern was looking for, right? And it just didn't work. If Kane is at Bayern last year, we're not having the last day of the season with Bruce here. We simply aren't. Do you know what I mean? He's going to go there. He's going to score loads of goals. He's going to win two, three or four titles. He's going to have three or four cracks at the Champions League. And you never know. He may come back to the Premier League at 33 and go, you know what? I'm going to give it two seasons. Ah, in Manchester United, they want him for two seasons, and he could get those forty-seven goals. That's what I'd say he's thinking right now. He's not going to get any slower, you know. Well, you see, the the thing about Harry Kane is, Harry Kane was felt to me like a bit of a a penalty box hunter. You know, he, he was a killer in the in the box. It was actually Mourinho that changed him. Mourinho made him come deep and use because he's a good footballer and uses football ability to open teams up, and by opening them up, putting in players out wide. 
and making his way into the box. And he was found and he scored loads of goals like that. You have to credit Mourinho with that. You know what I mean? Bayern will, Bayern will probably want something a little bit away from that. More of him up front. But if they've any sense, they're not playing him right up front. They're playing him where he drops off and he, and he, and he Kingsley Coleman or whoever's playing Wyatt, Nabry, whoever it might be, and they kill you and they set him up and he arrives in the box and he scores. That's he's got he's gonna score lots. I, I, and that's the part I don't get asking a player to do what isn't natural to him really anymore. To be honest, it's just not natural to him. I mean, the good centre forwards find space. He looked to me like maybe I don't know. Maybe it's because as I said, uh, Leipzig were so comfortable two or three, and they just sat off and they didn't have the ball, so there was no natural space to you know to move into. But you, you know, as a team, you have to coax teams out and you know give them a sniff of it. Have that, you know, have that turnover when you can nick it off them and then find that fella. And but anytime that was happening, Kane was the last man. And I was just like, What what are you doing? He must have been thinking to himself, I hope it's not gonna be nine months of this. No, it won't be. You know, he'll, he'll in, what'll happen is he'll go into that Bayern side, he'll drop off, he'll spin and he'll puff one of the forwards in out wide. They'll get down, they look, he'll be winking his way in the box, they'll put it in the box and he'll score and they'll go, like, Grant, perfect. That's perfect. Like, yeah, of course it will. Of course it will. It's not like Bayern are looking at Harry Kane and everything he does and going, we're going to do the exact opposite. You'd be fucking mad in the head too. Do you know what I mean? Because Harry Kane, on his day, is nigh on unstoppable. And that's the truth. Because he'll spin any centre-back. He will spin any centre-back and he's a great range of passing. And he's an extremely good finisher. Um, the only thing that's not like about Harry Kane is his antics on the pitch. And when he used to stand there and make a ladder for other people to climb up on to hurt themselves. Other than that, he's, he's an exceptional footballer. Um, P, we're going to stay with you. Winner. Anyone? Yeah, sorry, Chris Gilding. It is a Modesty t-shirt. Modesty is God. And I wore it just in case Phil Casey didn't turn up because he's the closest. Phil is probably the closest thing to Modesty that we haven't driven with his hair. That just won't quit. <laughs> Modesty. <laughs> Go on. Um, for me... Anybody, my loser of the week is, well, sorry, my winner, winner, absolute winner of the week. Anybody that has, is thinking about or has in the past or is going to flout any of the rules that, as we can see, don't exist. I was called out for this 15 minutes, well, an hour before the show, but Owen, our friend Owen, said he's going to go on, he's going to have a a rant about uh, the rules and call them losers. No, they're actually winners. I submit. There are no rules in this game anymore. There's no rules. There's no rules. FFP is a myth. Doesn't exist. And you know Simon Simon Jordan can go on, um, talk show all day and say that oh there's 63 million in credit that this or that. A team. I don't even want to talk about how a team that hasn't been in Europe in a while, um, can spend close on a billion and no one even bat an eyelid. It. Anybody that was looking at that's been looking at the last few days is thinking to themselves. We're rich enough to do it, like you've always said. I mean, I, I, I think Phil Casey said this to me before. Listen, anyone that's rich enough will just pay the lawyers just as much and this will just go away. And the, the Premier League, everybody just showing their arse. They're showing their arse. That is what's going on. So rules, you can talk. There was a report tonight about somebody talking about the fact that they're going to now close, close a loophole, which they talked about closing in June, um, that Chelsea have again exploited. Stop talking. Why don't we just get to If you've got money, spend it. And good luck. I prefer that. Well, 
Listen, what you're, what you're doing, what, what you're talking about there is Chelsea in particular because it's the spotlight has been on, the, well, the spotlight, the spotlight has been on Chelsea over the last week or so in a massive way because um, the whole team of Moises Soisado and, and Liverpool and Chelsea and, and stuff like that. And you, Look, I'm kind of with you, right? Um, they have, uh, Kevin Sullivan showed me something the other day that there were 536 million um, in the red. Um before signing Moises, I say that with regards to transfers over the last year, a little over a year. And it just, it makes, like, it makes no sense to me. I completely get where people are coming from. The loophole at the moment, apparently, is that um, they they can monetize these contracts over eight years. The rule was- is five. The rule is five, but because they're not in Europe, it can, it can actually be done. And initiated now because over eight, so it's all it's all madness. But I'm with you. You know, I think the whole thing about FFP and stuff like that. And you look at you look at Everton. Everton have three hundred plus million in losses over the last three years. They're way over what they should be, and they should be brought to task over it, right? But Chelsea as a football club, transfer wise, right, are half a billion down in the last year. And I tell you, Gav. And and look, I I, I don't think it's right. I don't think it's right, but but I know where you're coming from with, with it being a winner because it is getting to the stage where me, you, Phil, or anybody else can sit and go, this can't be right, right? We've seen the breakdown from people um, that love the financial numbers and, and the breakdown and stuff like that. We've seen it from them, but at the end of the day, right, we have people in charge of football that don't care. They simply do not care. They If they're making money off the back of this, there isn't a hope in fucking hell of anyone turning around going, you need to stop doing that. Yeah, For, and you, you throw the Saudis into the equation, and they're thinking to themselves... Well, the Saudis well, is different, because the Saudis aren't know, running under UEFA, they're not know, running under an FFP model. No, the point, the point I'm making is, they're looking, if we clamp down on Manchester City, Chelsea, Everton, if we clamp down, all the, may, perhaps all of these owners are going to go elsewhere where they can actually you know, have a have a have just a playground. So they're panicking. Nobody, I'm telling you, Nobody's going to be nobody's going to be punished for any. I this time last year, Phil was laughing. I mean, he was right. He was like, "Listen, no one's going to be punished," and he's right. No one's going to be punished for it. You're going to see headlines. You're going to see, "Oh Lord, panic!" and it's uh, injunction this and no. Nobody's going to be punished for anything. Nobody. Well, I I I, I still think like I go back to the the Man City stuff that happened in February. Man City vehemently denying all this and saying that they have the proof to show that they've, they haven't done anything wrong, and yet we still sit here, um, when nothing happened, um, six months down the road. If they're if they have the proof and the Premier League are ready with their charges, let's go into court and let's talk about it for a week or whatever it takes, and then have an outcome on that. Everton are the same. Everton are under massive finance, FFP pressure. Um, Arsenal are under FFP pressure. They've had to loan a goalkeeper for a year and then start the payments next year in order to avoid FFP. Um, the goalkeeper from Brentford. And Chelsea have to be under uh, massive pressure. But if the people in charge aren't interested in doing anything about this and making it more transparent as to what people are spending and what they're taking in and how, where it's going, it's never going to end. It's never going to end. And what are we meant to do? UEFA, FIFA, the Premier League, you throw the, you throw the, the Saudis in, but the Saudis don't run, walk under the same rules we do. But but they're, they're indirectly involved with... with two football clubs within the Premier League so it's I know where you're coming from with it um, and I'm, I'm kind of with you I don't think I don't think anything stops it I don't think anything stops it unless the, the arse falls out of the world 
and teams start going absolutely bankrupt. Phil, where are you on this? I, 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 it leads into the whole conversation that should be had around this whole podcast. Now, this, there's this myth that's been perpetuated since nothing happened with City that there's a FFP in place for Europe and for there's one for England and Chelsea haven't found a loophole Chelsea just utilize what's in the laws and utilize the laws that are there to be utilized which is to create contracts that are over massive durations to amortize the spread of the fee so it means that it has negligible impact on what it is can't use it from a UEFA standpoint but they're not in Europe this year so they don't care I don't mean that notionally and if I'm in their book and I've got a billion to throw at it I'm trolling. If I'm Newcastle, Newcastle have held back. But we got to remember that Saudi Arabia own both Chelsea and Newcastle. So you've got to remember that they're investing a lot of money into both these clubs in England at the same time. It's a league that's being implored to take in as much Saudi money as possible. We have the letter from Boris Johnson to asking the Premier League to accept the PIF as fit and, and proper owners when, it, when they were coming in to take over the Newcastle side. And we know that they own 60% of Clear Lake, which is the money that's investing all the money into Chelsea at the moment, Gav. So when we look at that, there's, not, there's no breaks. People getting upset about, oh, the biggest naivety that exists is that the idea that that teams should operate within those type of rules we know that the premier league has no desire to enforce the rules in any type of time constrained manner we've got everton we've got chelsea we've got um we've got manchester city the, the, on the 115 charges that just seems to sit there and they're hoping that most people and of course are, you have to remember the sorry the 115 charges related to 2011 to 2018 the charges were brought to them in february 2023 so it's not like they have no time to do this do you know what i'm saying so it's it's like you said, and now we're six months down the road with City screaming from the rooftops, their manager included, going, let's go and sort this out now. We're going sort it then. Yeah. It's, uh, it, feel, it feels to me like it's just, we just play this game, it'll run out, everyone will forget about it and we're on to Chelsea now. But this is it. So I, I think what the fans at the moment, and if you look if you look across, and today was, was, was a sad day for me where I've had to venture back into the world of, of social media and stuff like that to find to see what opinions are. And it's, 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 it's frightening because it's even more perpetuated that people are just looking for a blame game. Look at that character tonight. He's blamed. Why did Michael Edwards and Julian Ward leave? So let's blame that side. Um, let's blame Schmadke. Um, let's blame FSG for not investing the money when they could have bought Lavia two weeks ago and for for forty eight million. This, this, so let me just sort of deep into this. Let's blame Chelsea for not operating within their own rules. Let's blame this for this. Let's blame this for this. Let's blame that for that. Let's blame uh, uh, saying everything without saying anything. Let's just find something. We want that we, we were upset that we didn't get what we wanted and we want to blame somebody, right? And we've got so many different groups and, and interests that don't want to say, I, I, I think Klopp is wrong here, right? Now, and, and I'll be straight with you. It's, it's since it's, it's my, my thing is, is, and I'll say it, my, my, and it sort of drifts me around to, to Liverpool on this, right? And they're my losers of the week. And it's not because they missed out on the transfers. It's that they've, deconstructed their whole strategic side of the football club right and haven't put a proper framework back in place and they've allowed this to happen and to me it was very much smacked of they truly thought the club was going to be sold and they thought they're going to realize the price they wanted for the club right and from that point of view if i'm fsg i've i've removed an awful lot of the framework for somebody else 
whoever buys the club to come in and put whatever framework they want in place and that makes the attractiveness because they can put their own people in charge right mm-hmm. and you've got the you've got the law of Klopp and they can set up everything that's going on so ultimately when i hear about the ffp piece look it's forget about it when you've got the qataris in charge of uefa okay and who are there at psg and psg and they're bringing and they've allowed inflated sponsorship deals you saw what's happened with newcastle they're 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 able to get what just make up sponsors and get whatever they want out of us we've seen what happened with, with city there's no real desire to go after um abu dhabi in terms of of what they've put into the game and 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 look they've put over a billion into that manchester city football all those players what was that um state that was there They've, they've spent 462 million on the four defenders that they had in front of them at the weekend, which was 100 million more than Burnley has spent in their whole history on players. Okay, so like, you know, there's no real desire. It's just there for fans essentially to lean on to say this is outrageous and somebody's breaking the rules and they should be taken to task, or whatever it is. But the clubs don't want it because the clubs know that it could be them if the right opportunity happens. But you've got to remember that at some point, if you aren't keeping pace, it gets harder to get back to that place, right? Mm. And it, it took us close to 30 years to get mm. from being at the top to being back at the top. We had a couple of things that happened along the way, but never sustained um, success. And now we're looking at a period that we could very quickly fall off because of the level of investment that's been pumped in to other clubs where they operate within the rules that they've operated before. The, the Chelsea thing always interested me because this is what Abramovich did when he went into Chelsea Force. There's nothing new here. This is nothing new. This is exactly what they did. And in reality, Newcastle doesn't, doesn't in, like, they're, they're playing by a certain rule, but they're not afraid to put the hand in the pocket and spend the money in terms of what's there. But, yeah, they, but they haven't the gone mad that, yet. But, the fact that, but, they're, but they're, they're the flip side of Chelsea because <clears throat> I think if Newcastle had have finished seventh or eighth in the league, they would have went bananas. Um, and would have went in with eight-year deals and, and would have done what Chelsea are doing. But because they've gone into the Champions League now, bang, they're under scrutiny of UEFA, right? But Chelsea clearly has, you know, Chelsea have looked at it and went, we've spent a shitload, we've got rid of so much, we're still in the red, but we're not. They, they don't believe the Premier League are going to do anything to them because they're just running off what is going on with UEFA, Right. And they're literally going, we're not, in, we're not in Europe this year. We can spend another load of money. And then when we land next year, all we'd be grand. Because we're not to paying a billion, but it's over fucking eight years. So it's only really 150 million a year, which we can absolutely look after. There's no problem there. So that's where I think that's where I think um, Chelsea and thing are. But let's get on to Liverpool, Phil. Um, Loser of the week for you, and, and I think it's a fairly popular choice again because there's a lot of people in the chat just shouting Liverpool at us as soon as we mentioned winners or losers. So, go on, give us your well, take. I, I could have chose VAR, but it's not VAR, and I'm and like, I'm sick of it's, it's as I said, technology isn't the issue, it's the people who operate the technology, and I'll, I'll remain steadfast around that. Like, the guys aren't fit for purpose, so there's no point in really going down that rabbit hole that's there. As I said, my bit for me is is about the operating model. It's not even about missing out on the two players that 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 are there. I actually, I'm, I'm probably in a, a minority camp. I don't believe there was a bid today for Lavia. I genuinely don't. I think when they walked away from 43 million or whatever it was last week, they've never gone back. 
they've kept tabs on it um, and they've never gone back and Chelsea have gone in and spent the money on them and they put in whatever but uh, Miguel Delaney it's not you're saying that they're still negotiating a fee like the fee hasn't been agreed no, who's negotiating a fee? Chelsea yeah. for Lavia okay because I've I, seen reports that Liverpool have agreed a fee for, for Lavia um, but Lavia doesn't want to go to Liverpool anymore because they went for Saicedo and Chelsea are now it's listen to be honest with you, you're better off just sitting back and going, yeah, just let's see who we go. Exactly. Do you if, know you know? Give, if you want to give, so, <laughs> so, so I wanted, I wanted to come up and not be stuck down in the weeds of the transfers that we're dealing with at the moment. I wanted to come back up at that at the helicopter view and look at over, look at the club in a whole. Right, we, we know that Klopp's preference and has always been to get players in early where possible. Right. Yeah. We knew but he did caveat that, and, and I'm only playing devil's advocate here, right? Yeah. He yeah. did caveat that with. We will try to get players in early, but some of them may take six, seven, eight weeks to get them in. Which basically he said this will go to mid late August, right? And and that's fine. But this right? stuff and over I'm... the last five days absolutely just churns that up, like you know what I mean. That's and I'm gonna I'll give you my bit in a bit. Come on. Yeah, but for me, it's not about that. It's about the lack of preparation that exists when Michael Edwards resigns, right, and they put Julian Ward as successor in place. Julian Ward resigns and gives them six months or eight months notice that he was going to leave, right? Yeah. And they were unable to find an adequate candidate in world football to take over as a permanent sporting director within mm-hmm. three months, right? That, to me, creates these seeds where the, they're operating within the transfer market is nowhere near as slick as it has been over the previous few years and nowhere near as informed because if we take the... The, the press coverage of the deals for Zabasaloy and um, McAllister, they were set up allegedly before Ward um, finished up his tenure, right? And he'd done the groundwork on the yes, deals. Yes, of course he would yeah. Right. So if that was the last one, look what's happened since then. In reality, it, it just seems like it's completely all over the place. And this was my biggest fear going in to a window that was going to be transformative. Um that if you don't have the right structure in place, they lost the guys who were their analysts, they lost the guys who were at the top of it, Where what's going to fill this vacuum? And if you don't have anything to fill the vacuum, you're just going to have a massive pile of dust, right? And at the moment, looking at what we have, there seems to be frantic scrambling going on for what, by whoever's left in the club that's sitting there. They don't have the analysts, the, the guys who are leading the analysts, the analysis side of the club anymore because he's gone to Newcastle. I I reckon Edwards is going to turn up either at Chelsea or Newcastle. I genuinely feel, I have this feeling that he's going to turn up at, at, at Chelsea or Newcastle because they're going to hump a load of money at him and say, what, it's, it's, he won't be able to turn it down. And then you go, you, you sell the two guys. To me, the biggest thing that, that, that comes back to this is the, Fabinho and Henderson comes out of the blue, right? And they might be the right, they're only the right decisions to accept the deals and let them go. If you know you've got the right replacements or you're able to bring forward what your recruitment plan was, say in 12 months time when you expected one of them to go. Do you you know what I mean in terms of what's there? So when I look at this whole piece, it just seems completely unhinged in comparison to what it's like being, to what it's been like for the last 10 years. And where we've gotten to such a slick machine that in, in general, 
that we heard about deals with players either after they'd agreed the fees and agreed the personal terms with the English journals, or it was the, it was coming from the foreign side, from the leaks that were coming out of the clubs they were buying from, that you'd get the early notices of a guy that potentially is going to the club. And I think what's interesting is there seems to be definite interest in Florentino Luis, the Benfica player, who's, who's quoted to have a release clause of $120 million. Um, that's somebody that supposedly turned their attention to since the Lavia deal was since they couldn't agree a fee for Lavia and then they thought there was a chance of Conceda and they're supposedly going back to looking at Florentino Luis and then there is talk of other players around around the continent but you know I think it's been a it's, it's been chastening and I always struggle with the argument that Klopp wasn't given money. Klopp has been given as given plenty of money. Look at the most recent signings. My biggest thing is that since Edwards has gone, our success rate in transfers has dropped dramatically. Our ability to identify players where availability is is as important as their abilities has dropped dramatically. And I think it's I think in the the, the real question I have for FSG is not about. Is there money there to spend, which there clearly is? It's why is the structure completely disassembled? With and yes, we have no semblance of anything that's happening. I'm not saying to come out and tell me about it. It just feels like, yeah. why are you making these exactly massive signs? Yeah. yeah. Did you because, answer that? You answered that question already. You answered yeah. the question already. Because the thing is, right? And my thing, and I let Pete have the last saying it before we go. Right. My thing on it is, is that, and me, Shani, and Keith are always talking about this. And we've talked, we've spoken about it since the day it was confirmed. We were we are fifth in the league. We were in Liverpool the day it was confirmed. We are fifth in the league, and we are we are having a drink after the game, and we are saying what what happens this summer. And Sean, he's always said, "Look, I don't think they're going to do anything big this summer. The it's just the way things are being ran at the club, um, and history shows you they you know unless something extraordinary comes up in the Allison Van Dyke kind of level." He couldn't see it. Me and Keith's argument was, we get that, but it has to be done, right? Now, with the transfers, McAllister, and I've said it loads of times, McAllister and Sabah's life for Keita, Milner, Oxley chairman is absolutely fine. You're taking them two with, for them three, and it's absolutely 100% fine, right? But we're five weeks down the road since we knew Fabinho was leaving the club. I'd say easy, mm -hmm. right? And Henderson, right? Now, Lavia, right? If we're f five weeks ago, we should have went to Southampton and said, what is the price on Romeo or Lavia? It's 50 million quid. Will you take 45? No, we will only take 50 million quid. We don't value him at that. Good boy, right? That's what Liverpool always done. They would go in once. They didn't like it. They were gone. You'd never even hear about it, right? There'd be links, but you'd know Liverpool aren't paying that. Good luck. Now, you will have the argument, why don't they fucking pay it? Listen, that's an argument for another day. Liverpool, what Liverpool do, and it's all about process this summer. The process is off the wall mental, right? <clears throat> Moises Soisado has tried to go to Chelsea and Arsenal six months ago, right? In January, he tried to go to both of them, right? He basically told Brighton he was gone, he was off to Arsenal. And then Chelsea came in and tried to get him as well. Didn't happen. Liverpool wait five weeks after these two players leave to go into Moises Soisado. Why didn't they go into Moises Soisado five weeks ago and go, listen, would you like to play for us? We will bid the money. And if, I, if this situation happens five weeks ago, you go, there's five weeks left in the window. We went for it. He, he, wants, he wants to play for Chelsea. Fine. But Liverpool didn't go in with that bid without 
some sort of positive feedback from Moises Saicedo and his agents. They simply aren't, right? They would have went and said, would you be interested if we... And he would have got positive. But they've gone in there and now he's wanted to sign for Chelsea. I think the agent has done Liverpool, to be honest, and said, yeah, tell them we're interested because then Chelsea will come back and I'll get me a big bump of money off them. That's fine. But the process for me is all over the place. I believe, I'm with you. I think if they if they were at 46 or 47 for Lavia, and that's the limit, right? And probably be above the limit, to be fair. I don't think they're going back. Mm-hmm. There's no way they're going back, right? It's stupid to go back. But my hope is that they, while the say those stuff's going on, when Friday afternoon comes and he's not in Liverpool, they're turning their attention to bang, bang, bang. But your worry is, is that what they've the way they've carried on in the last five weeks, right? And for, going forward or back, I, I take all your points. The way they've carried on over the last five weeks by selling two of their players who had two years left on their contracts and acting like this, the confidence in them doing something over the next two weeks is diminishing in me by the hour. And there is no excuse for it. I don't care what person comes out with what excuse if they fucking Liverpool buntings on the front of the gaff, right? And when you go up to the door, there's a fucking live above with number 73 on it and they're in their full kick on to work. I don't care how passionate they are. There is no excuse for what Liverpool have done this summer. And even if they sign two players, right? And you know me, lad, you know me. I'm positive. I'm very level-headed, right? But even if they sign two players in the next two weeks, they will get credit for it. But there's no way to come out of this transfer window without people saying, you got two players in, but you made an absolute cunt of this football club and that football manager, if the manager is standing there wanting it. The other argument, because of smoke screens and, and you know, people arguing it and, going, and hearsay and stuff like that, how much of a part Klopp plays in this? How much control does he have since the likes of Julian Ward has gone and other analysts have gone? We don't know. And that's half the problem. I'm literally at the stage now where I would like Jurgen Klopp to come out, right? Or, or be at least be asked a question as to what involvement he has. Because you know what? He's actually ruining his own legacy at the football club by not saying anything. He's a man that's outspoken on many, many, many things. And Sean, he's told me loads of times he has principles. He won't do that. He's actually, he, he's punching himself in the back of the head by not saying anything now at this stage. And sorry for that, the, the use of the C word, by the way. I just lost a run of myself. P. It's a bit like Arsene Wenger did towards the end of his, his which worries me, to be honest with you, about this behaviour. Arsene Wenger ran cover. <coughs> Or Arsenal and their lack of willingness to spend because of uncertainties in the back. I'd have to commend Klopp on his coolness if that's what's going on. Because you cannot deliberately... I mean, if you looked at this from the outside, it's a bit like what Phil said earlier on. It almost looks like Liverpool are deliberately self-sabotaging. Having built a model that was the envy of world, world football, the envy of world football, built that model and watch it succeed wave after wave and put us at the top of uh, of the game only to completely dismantle it and leave it in in, sh- in a shambles on the ground it's almost deliberate which i think phil is right the club are convinced we're going to sell but then there's no excuse once you realize there are no there, there isn't 
there isn't a six million six billion bid on the table for Liverpool. Go and rebuild that model. Find somebody. Because you know, a lot of people ask the question, what does a director of football do? Now I think this weekend, even for the most uneducated people amongst us, they know exactly what a director of football does. It maintains and builds those relationships to make sure that you don't get fucked over by unscrupulous agents who are looking after their own interests and those arguably of their clients as well. And I say arguably selectively, to be honest. Um, and we have been used probably to prompt um, an all-in attack, if you will, from, from Chelsea for, for their client. That's fine. But that those things tend not to happen when you've got a business development professional, a director of football, to make sure I deal with this list of agents because I know that I have a good relationship. They will not mess me around because they know that will be the last time I do business with them. Parachute some temp in for three months. He might be the greatest man who ever of ever walked. But some of these agents, they're our age and younger, are going, this elderly, he won't even be there in three months' time. I'm going to have him for breakfast. And when he's gone, nobody will even remember, and I will deal with Liverpool again. That's, to be honest with you, what, what's happened. However, from a football standpoint, there's very little excuse for going in to a game at the start of a football season when you're trying to catapult yourself back into the top four, which a status that you have lost, with no fit available defensive midfielder. When you know that your manager's style of football depends on fullbacks being untraceable, getting forward and unmarkable, un and anyone, Pochettino's looking at this going, lovely. Every time these lads lose possession or, they, or they're high up the park, I'm just going to hurt them. I'm just going to hurt them. And there's no with that. There's no pendulum there to cover that those spaces. It is that basic. To allow that to happen, for me, is the most unforgivable thing. And I commend Jurgen Klopp because if that was me, I'd be like, I cannot do what I do with this nineteen guys that I've got. Not not nothing to do with them as individuals, but because you're asking me to put several square pegs into. Into into round holes, it doesn't work. Yeah, but, me, but, but you see, Pete, I, I I get that, right? But my big thing is, and and when you say things like this, people go, "Well, do you expect a football club to come out and answer you?" No, I don't expect a football club to come out and answer me. Why the fuck would the club come out and answer me? But the way this picture is being painted is, it's so hard to pin where the issue is. And and feels right analytics, you know, um recruitment, whatever it might be, right? You can look and go, that person isn't there anymore. Did he replace him? He probably did. Is he good enough? You can argue over that. But when you when you go into, it's like walking into a boring building and not knowing what fucking part of it is boring so you can actually deal with the problem. And that's where my biggest issue is here. And I know I'm not going to get Jurgen Klopp coming out and going, yeah, listen, they, they agreed to sell these two players. They wanted to go. I agreed to it. But I thought this was going to happen. And now it hasn't, Right? Okay, or Jurgen Klopp to come out and go, yeah, we sold those two players because they wanted to go for massive money, and I just couldn't make my mind up on who I wanted, and it dragged on and on and on. If you get either of them answers or an inkling or anything, you can make a lot more sense as to what's going on at the football club. Right now, you can't. I keep saying it. Every incident at this football club right now, you can spin in four, five, or six directions, whatever, and make an absolute valid argument over it. And that's why sometimes it comes down to people going, you know, well, what is it? I don't know what it is. Because nobody knows who's doing what. When Klopp was there and Edwards was there, you knew who was doing what. 
you knew who it was and it come out afterwards Klopp wanted him they weren't too sure the money was a bit mad they suggested him he came in Klopp said yeah everyone was happy and they moved on now nobody knows what's happened and that's the biggest issue for me Phil you're going to have the last word in it because um, you brought it up <coughs> yeah look again it's a structured thing if somebody's like you know Newcastle paid massive money to take Dan Ashworth in as the technical director. That's the guy who set up the current Brighton team, the one who organised all the transfers that all the fellas that we're doing at the moment. And David Weir is now running that that side of the business for them. That's the ex Everton centre back, David Weir. Um, but that basically they were changing head man to head man. They've kept their uh, analytics crew together. We lost our head of our analytics. Ian Graham was our, our guy, uh, so his name or something like that. He was taken by your man Dan Ashworth to Newcastle. What we did. That was revolutionary under Edwards is now the standard that the clubs all follow. So mm. West Ham and all employ the exact same metrics, right? So I, I again, I'm not saying I want Michael Edwards back. I, and I think, listen, if Michael Edwards said tomorrow he wanted to come back to Liverpool, I think the club should throw their arms open and bring him back in and give him whatever money he needs to set up that department to get it all going again. Which is which I completely agree with. There's the other guy that that Monaco that I thought we we seemed to be heavily linked for for a long yeah. while and then nothing happened out of it, right? But I th- we need somebody to replicate what was so successful, and I'm not saying that the, the same mechanics and how they did it but we need somebody to come in and put that structure around the club when Rafa was at his best was when he got Pep Segura and Rodolfo Burrell in to run the academy for him and he had other guys that were that were operating in the in the recruitment side that he trusted and felt capable of but my biggest problem with Rafa was that I always felt that he was given too much power ultimately at the end and that was his greatest downfall because he had nobody to push back and I think in when Klopp came in you had this balance of power so I want the centre midfield okay who are you, who would be your choice here's five lads that meet our metrics right which one is your choice there okay and that was how and they're on record as this is how they manage this whole transfer by committee Klopp is there saying we all make the decisions and we're all happy with who we go for and it meant that we got players of a certain quality and a certain expectation that allowed them to develop and win everything that they've gone and done. Once you start removing those voices in the room and give other voices then become more powerful, it, ultimately the, the, the ball swings back. And as much as people don't want to say it at the moment, it will eventually turn. It's what happened with Arsene Wenger at Arsenal. It will eventually turn. Fans will turn. And I'll say the last bit I'll say, and this is why this is why the, the structure part for me is the biggest concern I have outside of the transfers and all the holes and stuff like that. There isn't a club in England that has redeveloped a stadium that hasn't taken a significant, mm. significant impact on the playing side of the pitch. Sports are in a... I, 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 no, Pete, I think he's as, as responsible for what's going on. I think he's a great manager. I think he's a brilliant style. I think he's a brilliant footballer mind, right? But I do think, like everyone, if they get too much control on where you had a really good balancing act and a really good system that allowed you to identify strong talent and fill in the gaps, that once it moves too much in one direction, eventually it doesn't have the same impact and you don't get the same success rate as you had when you had when you had more minds and more visions on it because you got a better sense of checks and balances to ensure that when you made a decision it was the right decision i go back to it our success rate has dropped off and we've we've picked up players who you keep looking at going how did they how did they why 
that doesn't fit. You look at Kate, like I think Kate is probably Edward's biggest failure in terms of his ability, his availability, right? Then after that, you saw that creep up more with the players that have come in. You've got Oxley Chamberlain, you've got Thiago, who was only. Well, I remember Gav, we did a pod when we signed Thiago and said, My biggest worry is, avail- is, is, is how injury prone he's going to be. And I said, No, he wasn't that bad before he went to Bayern Munich. I was like, Yeah, but he averages 25 games in Bayern Munich. And since he's been with Liverpool, he's averaged 24 games a season. So that's what we can expect out of him this season because that's. It, it's reversion to the mean. It is what it is. Mm. So from from my point of view, the reason why it's it's not a reaction to the transfers. It's this is just the end point of where you get to when there isn't clear direction across yeah. the whole club, and there clearly hasn't been clear direction at the club since before Christmas when they announced that they're going to either look at a sale or look at a part sale or investment or something that's coming in because that muddied the waters. They lost Mike Gordon. They lost Michael Edwards. Julian Ward then decides to step down. So clearly he something has gone on where the voice wasn't seen or felt to be strong enough and they've decided that the best option for them now is to step away from what's going on. And that has been to the detriment of <coughs> and to where we get today. Yeah. And people, yeah. like like uh, Jerry's saying there, um, I think it was Jerry, um, uh, sporting director isn't the issue if he isn't properly resourced. You see, the resources aren't even my worry here. Like Liverpool, like let's put it this way. If Liverpool went and signed Moises Isaido yesterday, right, they would have spent... Two hundred and ten million pounds in the, in the transfer window. They would have got fifty two back, but that's business. Okay, they would have put down two hundred and ten million pounds on three players in midfield, and you go, that's great, right? That's great. It went on a bit, Grant, right? But my whole thing is, it's not like they're going in for a fellow where you think you can't get him. You just cannot get him. But they're going for him, right? It's not that. It's a player that's literally hanging his arse out the window at Brighton for the, since January. So we all know what's going on. So when Liverpool get this thing on Henderson and Fabinho, they should have went, right, I'll tell you what we're going to do. Don't let them two fucking go anywhere. We're going in for this fella. And if we get him, we're selling these two. But they didn't. The whole process is all over the shop. All yes. over the shop. And yes. as I said last night, and I'll say it again, and I'll say on the 4th of September, regardless of who Liverpool sign between now and then, the best Liverpool can hope for in as a reaction from a fan base, in my opinion, come the 4th of September is, you may have got it done, but you made a complete bollocks of it yeah. at the same time. That's where I think they are. Um, anything else before we go, P? No, Pat, for me, I know everybody is depressed out there, to be honest, I know they are, but it Fine is what it is. It is. It, I, it's disappointing. Listen, I'll be honest. To sum it up, for me, I didn't know I wanted Saicedo and Lavia until until they were. And you know, it, it, it we'll move on to other targets, and and we'll be just as disappointed if they don't sign. Sometimes, you know, we as watchers can be very. All of a sudden, Moises Saicedo or Caicedo was the only you know mobile defensive midfielder in the world. There are, as Phil pointed out, there's that lad at Benfica. There's plenty, plenty. It's just about getting in and getting the job done, to be honest with you, making sure you know what type you're looking for. That's the game. There'll, there'll always be somebody else ready to slip into, into those jerseys, but there's a couple of vacancies, and right now everybody knows what, what we're prepared to spend. So it's, yeah. again... Was down to bad that's part of the planning. So if you end up having to spend another twenty percent more on top of it, so be it, because that's what you've done um over the last two weeks. Yes. Or the last two months, sorry. Phil, anything else before we go? No, I'm I'm quite happy, Gav. It's, uh, I, I, I I relish 
the the disaster hours. I know you do. Like, this is this is this is where this, this is, is where you come place. to the fore. This is where you show your true value. <laughs> this, is, <laughs> yeah. this is where you show your true value. Um, disaster. Oh, here we go. Look, you would have been lethal on the Titanic. Lethal. You know what I mean? Lads, wait, let's tell you what's going to happen. <laughs> um, but look, see that? See that? See that iceberg? That goes massively under the water. Your man's paying no attention to it. Seriously. Yeah, we're going know, straight yeah. for it. Oh, the, oh, we have to stop talking because then we end up getting into conspiracy theories and, and like, all the ones mental. Um, can, listen, can I just say one thing? There's one thing that isn't being talked about enough and and when it does now, you'll see a massive sigh of uh, when that happens, right? But I can't wait to see the young Flip Jetic back because I think he's a true talent. Yeah, he is. I, I think he's a genuine talent. And I think if he's back and he's fit, I think an awful lot of the issues that we have in front of the defence disappears. And I, I, I genuinely, like, look, if Fabinho was there, and I'm not talking about Fabinho, the Fabinho that was there at the end of the season, there yesterday, we probably win 1-0, or we probably still draw one off. but that goal they scored doesn't happen because it was just, it just needs that fella. You know the fella that stands at the edge of the box and, and doesn't allow the silly things to happen? And that's what mm-hmm. Fabinho was brilliant at, right? So from my point of view, that's where Bichetis comes in. And I think playing the midfield they are at the moment, I, th- I think is a bit shortish. I think, again, that's a Klopp decision. And I'm probably starting to sound like, is he having a bang of Klopp? But yeah, um, I just think that some of the decision-making at the moment hasn't been great. Um, so, But that's the thing. I, 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 but that's what I said earlier. You can mm-hmm. twist and you can push this. You can push a narrative in five different directions over anything at this club right now. Look, I can genuinely, if I wanted to, absolutely lash clop for an hour here and people go what are you doing that for well well look at what's happening here tell me it's not him or i can i can blame this person or that person or that and it's so easy to do and listen i'm not saying that people should do that but it's so easy to do and if it's so easy to do it shows the issues that are there it's it's not hard, but look, we have to get out of here. Like it's it's ten past eleven. I have about four hours of working. Sorry, here. sorry, sorry, Gav, sorry, 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 sorry. sorry. Apologize, um, apologize. I, I need to get back and watch some um, cycling. On, cycling. Uh, BMX. Uh, what was it? No, uh, no. I, I, the, the other thing I'm watching now, I'm watching Mega Avalanche. So basically, it's a race Mega down. Mega Village. It's a mountain bike race down the side of the Wes. It starts at the top of the mountain and they right. start off in snow. And it sounds to me like there's down. going to be an avalanche and you're on a bike yeah, and if you if you survive, you win. It's that's the it's the hardest it's the hardest mountain bike race in the world. Um, yeah. and that's what that's what I'm after. Like, honestly, I'm starting to drift. Like I am a road bike cyclist, so but I'm now starting to drift into the mountain bike world because just like the day you're going to end up a snowboarding, aren't you? <laughs> You're going to end up at that. <laughs> You're going to end up thinking, yeah, man, Alberto Tombe on the skis going down that big fucking thing, you know. Um, Just anyway, a picture. I was out, I was out cycling volcanoes in Lanzarote, so it was like, it was I know, great you're, you're a lunatic. Like, all the things to do in Lanzarote, and he gets on a bike and starts cycling up hills. Um, my me, me wife did recommend two things to watch. She said, um, The Deepest Breath um, is oh, about really? these unfree style divers. She said it was Free actually. divers, yeah. And then there was another film. She was said she watched a film on Netflix about this 16-year-old from... Australia that um, sailed around the world. Um, True Spirit, I think it's called. She said it was excellent. True story. More impressive if they went around in one of those pink flamingos. You know, just like you it just was a tiny boat. Apparently, <laughs> I said, "What was the boat like?" She went, "It was tiny. Like that was that's all of her experience of a uh, boat." But anyway, um, we're gonna go. Um, thanks a million to P. Um, 
thanks a million to Phil thanks to everyone in the chat um, loads of you have hit like more of you could do five people didn't like us that's probably just all Phil's family um, not liking <laughs> us to be fair um, he just sent out the memo hit unlike on this thing when I start at 10 o'clock but listen we can't we can't please everyone but we will try our best and um, we hope to do a transfer show tomorrow where we'll dive into this shit again Um <laughs> Uh, we're leaving Wednesday open in case anything happens. That's optimistic, in my opinion. Thursday, we're going to look at a preview on the, um, the Premier League weekend. Friday, we've left open just in case anything happens. But Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday, Monday, there will be two shows a day from the LFC Day Trippers. One should be, yeah, there should be two shows per day um, on the Day Trippers from Thursday right through to next Monday. Um, that's it. Talk to you in a bit. Over and out. Podcast Network.